The first reading is taken from Psalm 51, which can be found on page 573 of the Pew Bibles. A Psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my inequity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the innermost peace. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall uh, shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my inequity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing out of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading can be found on page 1085 and from from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, beginning at verse 16, the continuation of Jesus' prayer for his disciples. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
I'd to add my words of welcome to anybody who is visiting us today, whether from far or near. It's lovely to have you with us. We are in a series of sermons taken from the Lord's Prayer. Now, what is frequently called the Lord's Prayer is actually the disciples' prayer. Jesus said, this is how you are to pray. But this that's just been read to us in John 17 are words from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ to his heavenly Father. It would be a great help and encouragement to me if you would open the Bibles beside you and turn to page 1085, where our reading has just come from. John 17. If you turn back one page at the end of chapter 14, you'll see, come on, let us leave. And then there's Jesus' teaching, which probably takes place in the temple precincts, not the upper room. And he ends up, I have told you these things, the top of page 1085, the last verse of chapter 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. And don't we just know that from the news of the last week alone? Nothing takes God by surprise, though America and most of the world has been taken by surprise by a certain gentleman who lives in the White House, and the Lord knew all about the rulers of North Korea. So don't be worried. Our God is still in control. This is his world. And here Jesus says, Take heart, I have overcome this world. And within a few hours, he was going to die spread-eagled on that cross for you and for me and achieve our salvation. And after Jesus had said this, he looked up towards heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Let's just bow in prayer as we look further into John 17 together this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonder of your Holy Spirit who somehow dictated to John to write down this prayer, Father, that comes from the lips of your Son to you. Help us to learn something for the benefit of our own Christian lives and faith and walk with you this morning from this prayer. And we ask this in your Son, our Saviour's name, Jesus. Amen. So for the benefit of those who haven't been here for a while, I'll pick on one or two of the congregation and ask for points that we learnt three weeks ago. And that, you don't like that? Oh, all right. First of all, the Lord Jesus Christ prays for himself. A mystical prayer in a way that the glory he had had with God his Father in heaven before he came would now be restored to him when he returned to heaven, I'm coming to you. I brought you glory. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence 
with the glory I had with you before the world. That little expression, the world, comes again and again and again through this chapter. Then he prays for his disciples. And he even goes so far as to say, I'm not praying for anyone else, just these 12 disciples. And remember, before the disciples and Jesus left the upper room, Judas had already gone to do his filthy deed. And therefore, this is Jesus with the eleven. Father, I'm praying for these eleven. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. I wonder if I went round and I asked you to write down a piece of paper what your understanding of the meaning of the word sanctify or sanctification is. No, I won't do that. Um, well, actually, we're told at the bottom of the page. Have a look in your Bibles at the bottom of the page. The footnote, it says, oh, how many of you speak Greek? Well, that's not very successful. Um, it says, the Greek hagiazo, set apart for sacred and made holy. The disciples had received the Father's word, which is the truth. And this word had set them apart. At the beginning of this gospel, John had written, And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld him and the glory of the Father, full of grace and truth. By receiving the word, this truth, and Jesus said, I am the truth, the disciples had passed into a different way of life. Bishop Ellicott the, uh, very helpfully says, the idea of the root of the word we have as sanctify is not holiness, but is separation. And all the way through the law part of the Old Testament, we get this word worked out again and again and again. This was set apart for the temple worship. These men were set apart to lead the worship. By the way, it says in Numbers, Moses' instructions to the priests, that at the age of 50, they must stop working in the temple and help the younger brothers and generation of priests. <laughs> You're not 50 yet. Where's his wife? <laughs> but people and things were set aside as holy. That's why the desecration of the temple and all the jewels and so on carried off into Babylon was so horrible in the sight of your Hebrew at the time and in the sight of God. And we get a list of all the golden pots and pans and so on being carried back from Babylon after their years of time in captivity. Oh, you're so wonderful. Thank you.
Yes, do come again, will you? It's very interesting that apart from the use of this word sanctify in John 17 here in front of us this morning, John only uses the phrase once else in all his writings of gospels, epistle, gospel epistles and the book of Revelation. And that comes in an earlier chapter in John's gospel when Jesus talking says, the one whom the Father has set apart as his very own and sent into the world. So Jesus is praying here for those he, Jesus, has received from the Father and whom he has sent into the world. Verse 6, turn back to that, it's the beginning of the second paragraph of John 17. I have received, revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They are yours and you gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Ask yourself the question at the moment. Am I a Christian? Am I one of those who we shall learn next week were going to come to faith through the ministry of those 11 men and others following on from them? If so, you are so precious in God's sight that he has given you to the Lord Jesus Christ because of what Jesus did on the cross. You are precious in the extreme. And then in verse 18, as we shall learn, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. I have revealed to you those whom you gave me out of this world, for I gave them the words you gave me. These are the words that they have received and live by. These are the words they will pass on. That's one of the reasons we come to worship Sunday by Sunday. Why the Word of God is preached in this church. Why the Bible, and especially the cross of Christ, are supreme in this fellowship. There is no other gospel whereby you can be saved. That's Peter speaking in Acts chapter 12. John had, or Jesus had prayed, Father, they are not of the world. Hands up all those who weren't born in this world. <laughs> no, of course we all are and were. So what on earth does it mean? Jesus said, take heart at the end of the previous chapter, I have overcome the world. So for him, that little phrase was very important. It's a strange statement. They are not of the world. Until we realize that consecration to Christ leads to our being cut off from the world around us from naturally godless way and a behavior that leaves God out of their lives.
Thus, the earlier in this prayer, Jesus had asked the Father for protection. If you look at it there, verse, uh, verse 11 of uh, chapter 17, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And keeping and protection by God starts the moment you surrender your life to God. Whether as a little child years ago, or whether in the last few weeks you've come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you're protected. And protection comes first, and then sanctification or consecration or setting apart follows. Security from evil is given so that we may be totally dedicated to the service of God. We are kept in the name. We are consecrated by the truth of God's word. Christ's prayer for his disciples here, and as Mike is going to lead us on next Sunday in the continuation of this theme, this prayer should be our aiming point. Every single one who calls himself or herself a Christian, a child of God, should pray for sanctifying grace. And what's the means of this grace? The Word of God. I am the way, the truth, the life, and the Word was made flesh. Get to know the flesh's Word, the holy flesh of Jesus Christ. Get to know the Gospels through and through. So what is this sanctification? Paul teaches the church at Thessalonica that it is for God's will that you have been sanctified. You know, God's got a purpose for your life. It won't be a cottage in the country by, with roses round the door and all is calm and peace because Jesus taught his disciples and the apostles took up the same teaching again and again and again. The Christian life is going to be a fight. And if you're finding the Christian life easy, I humbly suggest you go home, get down on your knees and ask God why. Because Satan doesn't waste time with those who leave God out of their lives. And the closer you get to God, many wonderful Christians have testified, the more they become conscious of sin within which needs to be dealt with. It has been dealt with. So it was God's will for us. And then it was God's way for us. And I'm looking now at Acts chapter 13. An incredible passage of Scripture, this. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Hey, think about that. That ghastly, beastly man. And Manaean had been brought up with him, perhaps sharing the same toys, I don't know. And he now is in the church at Antioch, 
and Saul. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. I was enormously enjoying my flying career. I never actually killed anyone or got very close to it. But I loved that flying for 27 years. And God, in his amazing love, which I shall never, never, never comprehend, certainly on this earth, set me apart to go to college and train to be a minister in the Church of England. And now I'm retired. Have you got that? <laughs> but God's way is for each one of you. There is no one in church this morning who calls himself a Christian for whom God doesn't have a specific job of worship and witness. And yours will be uniquely different from everybody else's for you. But the fact is that we still sin. Um, could you just put up your hand now if you don't sin? Michael, you'll be sorry to see there aren't many hands uh, going up, but uh, no, of course not. We are all besieged by that bastard liar, Satan. That's why our services have at the beginning of them words of confession. And frequently we are reminded of the verses that John, the same writer, also wrote, but in his epistle, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our life. John very gently goes on at the start of the next chapter in that first epistle. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Paul teaches in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. You're feeling weak? Don't look at anyone else. I want you to look into your own heart. Do you feel weak and a bit of a failure as a Christian, much as you'd love to be a shining light in South Sea for Jesus? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. The Spirit intercedes for the saints in acceptance with God's will. And in the book of Hebrews, the writer declares, Jesus lives forever. He is able to save completely all those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Have you ever realized this, that Jesus 
is talking to the Father about you, not some nasty tittle-tattle. Father John is struggling with this particular sin. Can we send the Holy Spirit to give him strength? And the Holy Spirit is praying the same sort of thing. I haven't a clue what your sins are. And I thank God you don't know mine. But Satan does. And he knows how to trip you up. But the Lord Jesus who died for you and his Holy Spirit whom he sent to us shortly after returning to heaven, both are praying to the Father for you. Take that home with you. So what this morning? This is all very well and... I agree with it. I'm sure I hear you saying. First and foremost, our sanctification is God's responsibility. Let me say that again. Your sanctification is not yours, but God's responsibility. Paul, writing to the Philippian church in chapter 1, says this, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until the day of Jesus Christ, or will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Is my preaching being performed by God, the Holy Spirit? Or am I standing here blasphemously talking other things? And that applies to each and every one of us. And continuing in the same letter to the Philippians, Paul says this, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Think about that. God began it. God will carry it on until the day of Jesus Christ. So, you and I can leave church today set on working out our salvation because it is God who works in us. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this prayer of Jesus, your Son, to you. Thank you that he wanted his disciples, those eleven around him, to be set apart, sanctified for your service. And much of the book of Acts and the books that follow tell us of what they did under your Holy Spirit's direction. So help us 
to set our hearts firmly on working out our salvation by allowing your will, your way, and your word to penetrate our hearts and lives. For Jesus' sake, Father. Amen.